everybody. This is Jeannie Cisco meth Thank you so much for joining me today. I am excited to be sharing a recent radio interview that I did with Dr. Jeanette Gallagher. And she shared the recording with me, so I thought I would share it with you. Thank you so much. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with Dr. Jeanette Gallagher. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Wellness Radio. This is Dr. Jeanette Gallagher. It's a pleasure to have you with us here today. Today we are going to be talking about something that's becoming so profound these days. Uh, We say, is it really showing up more? Perhaps we're just reporting about it more on social media, and that's called bullying. Everybody remembers bullying from when we grew up as children, and we say, yeah, we used to have fights all the time. Someone used to say this or that, or we used to have a lot of kids who thought they were, you know, the king of the crop, and then they kind of beat up on all the other kids, or some kids who would say something not nice to some other people. But you know what? Those kids grow up. They become adults. And you know what happens then? We end up with adults who now have these issues. And the adults are taking a little bit step further. How about that? What do you think? What is bullying all about? My guest today is Jeannie Sisko Mess, and her book is Bully Proofing You, Improving Confidence and Personal Value from the Inside Out. And she's going to be talking to us about what is bullying, how can you improve your inner confidence, and maybe shed some of those walls that you've put up. Jeannie, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, Jeannie, don't you think so many times? um, I'm in my 60s, and I can remember all those issues when I was growing up, and we always would hear the phrase, get over it. It's no big deal. You'll grow out of it, right? What are your thoughts on that? (laughs) My thoughts are is that we live in a... I want to say terror-filled society, but there's so many movies and comments and the news and everything can be so scary that we are already at a heightened state. And so when something else happens, that can be the straw that breaks the camel's back, so to speak. And so I really focus on people loving themselves and increasing their personal value like we were talking about because if I believe in me, and somebody says something negative, it's more likely that I can just brush it off. Right. And, you know, I think also, too, we say that there's so much out in social media now. There's a whole lot of um, drama being slept around, you know, and a whole lot of stuff being uh, propagated and really taken to the nth degree these days where I think people feel like they're always on attack. You know, your relationships, your social media, family, friends, there's not really anywhere to hide anymore, don't you think? Yeah, it seems like, you know, we're such an open book, so to speak, you know, because people put, especially younger generations, you know, you happen to mention you're in your 60s, I'm in my early 50s, and mm-hmm. our our kids are growing up in a totally different environment, and they're, almost their entire life is out there for everybody to see. And people can be mean, especially when they don't associate that there's a person behind it. They objectify instead of personalize, and that can be a real problem. Right, and you know what I think, too, is a bigger issue, and I've noticed this quite often recently. They'd be like to the children, oh, it's no big deal, get out there, you know, fight them up, get it out there, no big deal, you know, take a slug at them. 
So I think a lot of our elders haven't really evolved as much as maybe some of those in the 40s and 50s who have evolved. You know, I think um, you look back on it and you say, are we as a society changing our ways? And I think it's almost maybe not, right? Yeah, well, yes and no. <laughs> um, one thing that I teach the the parents that I work with and grandparents that I work with is there is an incredible one-liner that you can use to help anyone who's being bullied. I taught it when I, I was a high school teacher, too, and so I taught it to the teachers at our school, too. And that very, very powerful one-liner is a question, and it is, aren't you glad I don't believe that? Right. And so when a, when a child comes in and says, Mom, so-and-so called me these names, you turn to your child and you say, Oh, aren't you glad I don't believe that? And then you let it go. The reason that is so powerful is because, first of all, it lets the child know that you don't agree with it in any way, shape, or form. But then second of all, it lets the child realize that they have a decision to make. They can decide whether to let that label stick or they can peel it off. And that is one of the most powerful things you can do for anyone. Let them know that they have the power to decide. Yeah, it's a tough place to be, you know. Now that my children are older, I actually say, oh, gosh, I'm not so sure I would want to be raising kids in the time of, <laughs> you know, cell phones and everything because my kids didn't grow up then, you know. Yeah. Tough place to be. You know, we always want to respond to the world around us, you know, but then how can we create our own? Um, I think sometimes we see that um, people will say, oh, I'm going to claim that as a mental health issue because you think you live in your own little bubble when really, hey, you're out in the big, hard world. Don't you think sometimes that um, contrast kind of lends to us, do we have to be either or, and how can we create our own world but being in the world around us, right? So I am a huge believer in the idea that thoughts are things. And if you look at many of our, our leaders and, and many of our thought leaders, so to speak, Napoleon Hill, James Allen, you know, Jim Rohn, many people, they talk about how thoughts are things. And so what I really believe that what I think about comes about. And so if I wake up in the morning and I'm defensive and I'm scared and I'm guarded, I go out into my day and I find reasons to defend myself. Whereas if in the morning if I look at, hey, you know what, this is going to be a fabulous day. It's going to be really exciting. I'm going to meet some really neat people, you know, and I go out, that's what I find as well. Whatever I'm looking for, I find. And so if I want to feel isolated and alone, there are tons of opportunities to do that. If I want to feel defensive and scared, again, so many opportunities to do that. So my question is, is what are you looking for and what do you want to create? Absolutely. And I think it comes from two um People will say, oh, well, that's how I was raised, or this is how I'm going to play out in the world. And you talk about the topic of being worthy. You know, sometimes people will say, um, some, you know, how our, uh, if, if we are imprinted as a parent in a certain way, maybe we might turn around and raise our children differently, or maybe we might turn around and raise them in a very similar manner. So sometimes being able to break the chain and saying we are all worthy, and that brings in the parents and the children, and then they merge together and grow up 
in a much healthier way. Don't you think sometimes that takes hold? Oh, absolutely. And the beautiful thing about the human mind is that it can constantly be upgraded and changed and manipulated. A lot of people used to think that, oh, this is just the way I am. It won't ever change. But just like we update our computers, we update our phones, there are even watches now that you need to update. The same is true with our minds. You can update and upload new programs to your mind. And there's a very systemized way of doing that. And I constantly am upgrading and uploading new programs to my mind. You know what I thought of, though, too, is that um, many times we'll say, um, people will say, that's the way it is. It's always been that way. Have you found, I know I found for myself, I post a lot on Twitter and Facebook about this, is that um, it doesn't have to be that way or the concept of, okay, I'm in this moment and you'd like to see something change. However, you keep bringing up the past and then you want it to morph instead of yourself, you know what I mean? It's sort of like if I thought those thoughts yesterday, well, that person is not wanting to go to tomorrow. So the idea of how can we release and let go that past instead of keep dragging it up, right? Yeah, beautiful. And when I'm with my mentoring clients, I draw a diagram, and, you know, it it has three sections to it. We have a past, we have a present, and we have a future. And as we move towards that future, we'll hit a wall. And you'll hear people say that, I'm overwhelmed, I feel like I'm up against a wall, I feel like I'm not going anywhere. And the reason is, is because your future is uncertain. You don't know what's going to happen in your future. A lot of times I'll explain that wall as a void. It's dark, you don't know. And so you have to learn how to speak your words of creation into that void. But what happens so frequently is people hit that wall and then back off and look Mm -hmm. into their past. Well, I've done some things in the past, so they pull up the past into their present. And then they wind up spinning their wheels because they go from the present to the past, pull the past into the present, go to the present to the past, and then they wind up being stuck in a rut or spinning their wheels. And so the, the biggest thing, the first thing is awareness. Wait, I've been here before. I've done this before. Do something new. What do I want to create? And so by looking for new ways and new information, you know, then you can, I highly recommend a mentor for everybody um, because then they can help you see different ways. And it doesn't, you know, it's, a mentor doesn't have to be someone you hire. It can be a friend who is where you want to be, a friend who has a great relationship or a coworker or a peer, but somebody who has created what you want to create, ask them. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's funny because I can always remember, I think it was probably about mm, five or six years ago, I was speaking to some spiritual people at the time, and I said, oh, I'm in the abyss, and they were like freaked out. They're like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. You must have been off the edge. You're not getting anywhere. You're blah, 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 and they put all kinds of labels on it, and I really understood that the abyss was the distance beyond that wall. And it was shedding all of the old of the wall. And the old was the perception of who or what I was based upon other people. I love living in the abyss. The abyss every day is new creation. The abyss every day is like being out in the universe like stardust, you know, instead of being so regimented into 
um, okay, I'm going to get up every day and put on high heels because that's what they're expecting. Do you know what I mean? And I think even something so simple as that, we say, oh, that's no big deal. But that is a little part of your creation each day. And you're thinking, am I doing this for who and why and everything? And hitting that wall but going through it is such a shedding thing. So many people don't want to shed that because they're like, oh, then they're not going to recognize me. They won't know who I am. I won't know who I am, right? Yeah, absolutely. Anytime you change consciously, there's fear that you need to go through. And I talk about how it's a wallpaper. Fear can be like a wallpaper wall where it looks solid, but when you go up and you push on it, you realize that there's no substance to it. And so so many people live their life by other people's rules. And if you can just take a moment and sit back and say, okay, what do I want? Do I want to wear high heels today or not? (laughs) And, you know, start there and say, you know what? No, I don't want to wear high heels today. Today I'm going to wear flats. And then some fear may come up with that. Well, what will people think of me? I'm short. I want to be tall. You know, all of that. And so that awareness, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier, that awareness of I want to make a change and then the step to start that change is so powerful. But, you know, I think a lot of people really do have issues because when they do start to change or experiment or explore more about themselves, people really get PO'd. They um, walk away. They start lashing out. They start throwing darts even bigger, don't you think? I mean, I see that all the time. Yeah, it absolutely can happen. And typically what I remember when that happens in my life is I remember I'm an example of what they want to be but are afraid to become. Because I'm sure you've heard the term crabs in a bucket, right? Mm-hmm. When There are so many people who have lost their dreams. It's, it's amazing. I had the opportunity to speak the other day, and I was talking to a bunch of graduates, and I'm thinking, you know, these people are going to, they know where they're going. They're graduating. Right. And, but when you ask them, they have no idea. I don't know. I'm leaving school, but I don't know where I'm going. The future is uncertain, and that happens frequently. And so, so many people want to know where they're going. They look at others and go, wow, she has a mission. She has a plan. She's going somewhere. I want to be like that too. But then fear comes in, self-doubt comes in. You know, I talk about taming the bully between your ears because there's not just external bullies. There's bullies in our head too. And so when you start stepping out and making a change, others who have used excuses and fallen prey to that bully will bully you because you have just proven their excuses null and void. And so if you can remember that, it helps. But also, too, I think the idea is that that actually shines a light on who they are or who you choose to be. Because Mm -hmm. you may say, you know what, hey, I'm not interested in being part of that pact or part of that picture, you know. And, and, And then it's time to just plain let a lot of that go. I think people, the biggest yeah. fear when they start changing is that they're going to lose. Well, I think it's great to say you're going to lose. You're going to lose the false sense of yourself. You're going to lose some people that didn't honor you. You're going to lose some people that were just using you. You may lose yeah. something that wasn't good for you anyway. Um, you may lose quite a bit. And it's like, 
they feel that to lose something is such a big deal. But, you know, if we look at it in the over history, um, after the war, they wanted a white picket fence. They wanted kids. They wanted cars. Then in the 80s, it was everybody had to have a college education. In the 90s, you had to have two houses and two cars, you know? <laughs> and what, you know? And what happened yeah. in the years 2000? The banks said, poof, going to go away. That's too much. Mm-hmm. You're taking, taking, taking. So I think the idea now we look at it is that people are living with less. They're not collecting stuff. They are downsizing. So really, if yeah. you understand that losing stuff is not a big deal, right? I think I choose to look at it as I'm gaining. I'm gaining freedom. I'm gaining clarity. I'm gaining friends who really support and love me, the real me, not the made-up me. You know, I'm gaining more respect because I know who I am and where I want to go. And so that helps me by just shifting that perspective a little bit from I'm gaining these things. Right. But also, too, if we look at quantum physics, you know, the idea of perception. You want to be seen and you want to be, uh, you want someone to see you, you know, otherwise... Sometimes people don't feel validated. You know that idea? Right. When you're dressed up nice and you're going outside, you'd like someone to say, oh, you look really nice or, you know, oh, you smell good, you have great perfume on or whatever. So everybody is truly, as humans, looking for that, you know, to be heard and to be seen because that's part of validation. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I also agree with people are afraid to say things now because they're not sure how it will be perceived. And so, you know, they're afraid, am I going to get in trouble? Especially a a gentleman. If I tell this lady she looks nice, am I going to get a sexual harassment suit? You know, and so there's, we go back to that fear. And so people aren't saying things. Or men are afraid even to open a door for for somebody, you know, or I open doors sometimes too, and and I'll get backlash. I can open my own blanket door, you know, and I'm like, right. whoa, I'm just trying to be nice, <laughs> yeah. you know. So there's that fear. But when I remember who I am, and I am a person who opens doors for people, if you know, if if I if I want to. And if mm-hmm. they lash out at me, that's about them. It's not about me. And that's where that personal value comes from. I decide who I am. I don't allow others to define me. You know, and I think that's a perfect example of what I said before of about um, losing and moving on to another space or another tribe or another group of people. I live in New Orleans, and it's expected here. Everybody opens the door. It just is the way it is. Um, Wonderful. You know. Little kids, little boys, you know, will open the door, you know, for people. Um, even little girls will open the door for an elder woman. It doesn't really matter who you mm, are. Beautiful. It just is it done. And I think the idea that um, a lot of times, as I said, you know, how we're raised as children, if, if you learn to respect and value and honor a human being, that does make yes. a huge step forward. Um mm-hmm. Right now we're seeing a lot here in New Orleans is a lot of violence. And they keep saying, oh, these punks, you know, the ones that are 20s, you know, in their teens and 20s. And I says, I want you to look back 10 years, take 10 years off today's date. And what came up then, it was 
just after Hurricane Katrina. I says, all these kids grew up with all the devastation, that PTSD, that horrible time, and their world was ripped out. So they've not really had any support. So now you're turning around and you're saying these people are bad or those people are bad and you kind of secularize yourself. Look in history where a lot of things have changed in other cities and say, what's been going on there and what do we need to perhaps delve into a little more to see how we can might have gotten to this space. A lot of times people are not people are not born bad. I had someone one time that said to me, Oh, that kid, they were just born mean. They were just born ugly. They were just born vicious. And I'm going, I don't think so, you know? (laughs) No. Yeah, I I don't agree with that either. We we definitely create our life. And things happen to us, and we make decisions on how to react to them. And, in fact, my book starts with a quote from Viktor Frankl about how between stimulus and response there is a space. And in that space is our power to choose. And in our choice lies our growth and our freedom. And so young kids make choices. And many adults blame the young kids in their life for the choices that they're making. But once you hit a certain age, once you get into your late teens, early 20s, if you're still blaming circumstances when you were young, that's just an excuse. Because now you can go back and look at that and make a new decision and change your life. One of the problems that I feel that's going on with with our world right now is some of the music. If you listen to the lyrics in so much, the fear and the ridicule and the disrespect is prevalent in so much music. And music carries those messages straight into the subconscious. And so if that's what you're listening to, you know, to disrespect others, not only are you going to disrespect others, but you're going to disrespect yourself as well. And so my belief is start respecting yourself so you can respect others. Yeah, and I think that idea of respect, honor, and love or caring for others, sometimes um, I do a lot of work with trauma Um, people that have had trauma in the past. And Mm -hmm. I really, they say, um, but that's what it is. Don't you see? Why don't you see it? This is what I'm telling you. This is what I'm in. And the idea is, is that they've never experienced the full concept of respect or honor or love. They really have a strewed or misconstrued concept of that. They don't know what that actually means. So to be able to say to somebody, um, you need to be this, or you need to look at this, or you need to um, find out more about this concept, and people are saying, I get it, I got it, I'm there, I'm doing it. It's because they've never been actually able to touch it. In other words, if I tell you that the sky is blue, and you're saying, where is the sky? And you're saying, look up, there it is, there it is, but you don't know what that means. There's no way you can conceptually understand that. Right, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's a tough tough place to be when people will say, um, you should honor your mother when they turn around and they say, but I don't know what that means. Um, My mother does this, that, or the other. So then they're they're taking it from a point of view of that. I think a lot of times that's where bullies come up. Um, They'll say, uh, my parents, my grandparents, my friends, my people at work, are doing these things 
And I'm like, why is that going on? And because I'm hearing it, I'm seeing it, I'm sensing it around me, you know, that idea. I think bullies um, are everywhere, and it's just so many people sometimes are really heightened sensitivity to see it because it's sort of like, yeah, why do I want to go to school to be bullied? I get bullied at home, you know what I mean? Right, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, why, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's very prevalent and you know people people are so used to disrespecting themselves and and being disrespected and disrespecting others there's so many poor role models in our in our media and you know in our lives that it takes a very forward thinking person to find good role models and to even know the difference between a good role model and a bad role model. Right. Yeah, because a lot of them will say, oh, but they give me this. They give me money. They give me cars. They give me house. They give me food. They give me shelter. Mm -hmm. You know, all of those other gimme kind of things when in actuality that really isn't what it's about. It's almost like how are we living life going forward versus are those really false gods in a, almost like in a sense, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a lot of schools in the on the West Coast, and I've spoken to a few people on the show before, my guests, and we've talked about it where um, as the children came in in these areas that are having really a lot of difficulty with bullying, the parents would also come in and have classes and learning the, right along with the children. And what really helped was that the parents were able to say, I see something differently. I'd like to change that too. So I think the whole paradigm that families can change, generations can change when everyone is working together. I think when kids go to school and they learn how to have a great day and be nice and kind and they go home and it's like the different story, sometimes that might be a bully on the outside of school, yes? Yes, absolutely. And we do presentations at schools and youth groups all across the country. And we always do three presentations. We do one for the students. We do one for the staff of the school. And then we also do one in the evening for the parents and the community. And then that way everybody can come in and be on the same page using the same language to empower and uplift one another. Then we also do events. Um, here in Utah, I'm from Utah, we do three-day and five-day events for families to come and couples to come and get more help and guidance in how do I get along better with my spouse so we're not bullying each other? How do I get along and communicate better with my children so that I can support them in taming their bullies and I can tame my bullies? And so I absolutely agree. It's a whole community issue, not just a one-on-one issue. But in essence, what you just did is you're creating a ripple effect. In other words, the child has an issue, it's highlighted. Family comes in, now it's a ripple effect. Then they say, okay, how can we work together with the school? Ripple goes further. Then Mm -hmm. the people will say, you know, I really don't want to associate with that guy in the street or I don't want to be able to go back to my neighborhood uh, gossip circle. I'd rather, is there any other parents 
who are also going through this at the school, and you kind of form a camaraderie. It's almost like you um, you plant the seed, and what ends up happening as the ripple effect goes out, you end up creating a different society, a different community, a different um, area where people are then go to that side for support and growth versus the old way, yes? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's a tough Ripples place to be, so I think. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a really tough place to be. Sometimes when people will say, you know what, I'm really tired of dragging up the old stuff, or I'm really tired of living this way, and I need a different way. Can you help me? And it's it's hard to break that chain. I think sometimes when we say, who is the bully in the school? Is the bully looking for help, or is the kids who are being bullied looking for help? And it's really, wow, can you imagine if both sides came together and said, we're done with this? That's a great ripple, right? Yes, yes. So, Jeannie, how how do you share um, more to be able to say to people, how can we learn to start to love ourselves but also to shine that out? When and when kids are going to school, I know you you've been in schools so many years, and it's be able to say what do you do when a child comes in and they feel like they're ripped apart, right? Yeah. Yeah, and and we'll go back to that, you know, that beautiful one-liner, aren't you glad I don't believe that? That is probably the most powerful thing that you can do. Also, um, the first part of my book is all about love for self. If you can't get all the way to love, at least like yourself. Start accepting yourself, forgiving yourself, and defining who you are. You decide who you are. Stop letting others decide who you are. And so as you do that for yourself and then you share that with other people, then, you know, let them know that, hey, you're in control of the labels that stick to you. You're in control of who you are and who you're creating. You know, it's the oddest thing. School has already started here, you know, a week or so ago in in Louisiana. Yeah, it starts very early. and. The idea that uh, now in all the schools they have these um, people are put in place to be able to prevent violence, I forget what they're called, but at any rate they have those now and kids are looking at them and they're afraid to go into school or they believe that that person will protect them. When if you remember decades ago it used to be the guidance counselor would be someone to go to talk to. And now they're saying we don't even have guidance counselors anymore because the kids do that stuff online. We just have this person that's going to protect us from the big evil world outside. So I think the idea of um, are we living in a proactive or a reactive world is definitely something to consider. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So many of us, if, if you're not intentionally creating your day, you are reacting to your day. I have an AM and a PM routine that I do. I have very specific steps that I do to start my day and to end my day. And one of those steps in the morning is to declare what kind of day I'm going to have. I'm going to have a great day. I'm going to ease gracefully, you know, through my day. And as things come up, I can handle them with grace and ease. So when I set that intention in the morning, you know, when I speak into the void of my day, I'm much more likely to have that kind of day. Whereas if I just get up in the morning and I just let things come at me and I'm not ready for them, 
it's a very reactive day, and it can be very difficult. Can be very difficult. Yeah, that's a really big deal. And how about the idea too of kids that are. Um they had a rough weekend and then they come to school and they kind of have to diffuse. You know that concept, it'll take it till Wednesday to be able to see who the kid really is, you know, because right. it takes a while to diffuse. Or kids that come to school and they haven't eaten all weekend or um, yeah. who might have been out and had a really rough weekend engaging in things that they didn't want to. So I think the idea of how can we change children from a bullying society into um, caring kids, it's, uh, you know, it's a pretty tough thing when they really do see the dichotomy of two different worlds. You're asking me to yeah. be in one when I'm really in another. Right. Hurt people hurt people. And so when you're dragging hurt from yesterday into today and then into tomorrow, the hurt continues to build and build. And the more hurt you are, the more likely you are to lash out and hurt others. And so if we can start healing that pain, then we will stop the bullying. But we've got to heal that pain. We've got to heal that hurt first and stop dragging it from day to day. You know, we t I talked about my PM routine. My PM routine has to do with getting rid of the hurt from that day so I don't drag it into tomorrow. And so that that's very powerful as well. Leave, start, learn. I always say pick out the gold nugget from the pain. What did I learn? How can I prevent it from happening again? And then leave it and let it go. Yeah, I think the idea, you know, when kids are in kindergarten or in um, kindergarten in first, second, and third grade, that's when they're really um, exploring all of this. Other people, you know, there's a whole lot more kids around every day, you know, where maybe when they grew up they didn't have that many kids. They weren't in daycare, you know. Right, And I think the idea that um, younger children kind of get exposed to it and they really need to learn to adapt very quickly. And they'll kind of pick sides and they'll pick their forces that they're going to fight against. And then we look at them when they're in high school and we say, okay, so are they now well adapted or have they just learned to put up their armor and they're on one side, and the others are still acting out, and, well, we just walk on the other side of the hall kind of idea. Don't you think more that that's what people are doing? Yeah, and I, well, we're we're afraid. You know, it comes back to being afraid, and so we compartmentalize ourselves and segregate ourselves. Mm -hmm. One thing that you can do to help yourself and your children is create a hero wall. And on, on my bedroom, I have a hero wall. And those are people that I look up to, that I look to for guidance and direction. I have a picture of me in the middle, and then I have eight words around me that, that I wish to be. You know, one is um, radiant, one is glorious and, and divine and beautiful, um, world-class inspired teacher and mentor. So those are some of my words. Then around that, I have pictures of people that I look up to. I have Thomas Edison. I have Abraham Lincoln. I have Helen Keller. Um, I have one of my personal mentors, Kirk Duncan. You know, and so those are people that I have read and studied. And, and so when I look at my hero wall and I'm dealing with something difficult, I can say, well, what would Jesus do? Or what would Einstein do? Or how would Abraham Lincoln handle this? 
And then that helped me feel empowered. So if you have a child who is struggling and afraid and not sure what to do, help them create a hero wall. And if they want to put Spider-Man on there, that's okay. Let them put Spider-Man on there. But ask them, why are you putting Spider-Man on there? What does he mean to you or what does he represent to you? And then as you're talking with your children, you can definitely bring that up. Oh, man, you were so courageous right there. You were just like Spider-Man. You're a courageous kid. So that will help build them and empower them to, to just tremendous levels. Yeah, because I'll tell you, um, sometimes I can remember um, my kids always had those underwear, you know, of the superheroes. And yeah, it was kind of like their own little inner secret that they were powerful. I think the idea of that, how can you hold that inside of you and be able to come out and uh, just be okay, you know, with each day, whatever it brings in school. And turn around and say that, don't you think? Yes, I absolutely believe that. Again, it comes back to me deciding my value. Instead of waiting for someone else to put a label on me and me accepting that label. Well, Jeannie, it was such a great time to talk to you today. I know a lot of people are struggling with this, especially with school starting. Can you share with the listeners how to find out more information about you? That would be great. Yeah, absolutely. You can go to my personal website, which is geniesiscometh.com, or you can also go to bullyproofingyou.com, bullyproofingyou.com, and you can sign up for my newsletter. I also do a a free podcast and, and get in touch with me there. Let me know how I can be of service. If you're interested in some mentoring appointments, I do give some for free every month because I am a Christian, and that's how I type. I give give some free ones back. So please, please, we have we have a budget to fit every, you know, we have programs to fit everybody's budget. So, so, and we have tons of free stuff. So please reach out to me. My mission is to help people live the life that they desire and tame those internal and external bullies. That is what I was put here to do. And I absolutely love doing it. Thank you so much for having me on your show and letting me reach more people. I really appreciate it. Well, Jeannie, thank you so much for joining us. I think a lot of people are struggling. It doesn't really matter your age. However, we just like to say that we're directing this show today towards all age groups because um, many times people feel it. You could feel bullying in healthcare. You could feel it at work. You could feel it with mm-hmm. your friends or your acquaintances. Or, hey, yeah. it's just time to shed that tribe and move on, right? Absolutely, absolutely, yes. Yeah, so well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was such a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you. I really appreciate it. <laughs>